Hey, Peppin. Yo, yo. Remember last time we teased we were going to continue talking about Greek mythology? Why aren't we just... Why don't we just do that right now? Oh, yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I guess we need to talk. professionals here at we need to talk and uh my name's meter i'm one of your hosts i'm here with pepin hi that was the introduction for pepin and uh we do have back our special guest here b to talk about greek mythology once more and uh maybe kind of kind of flush out a few more things get into some different myths that we didn't talk about last time we teased hercules since the beginning of the last episode so we'll probably not talk about it at all because that's kind of our style but i do want to know how are you doing Brian? i am fantastic thank you Abs- how about you I, i'm here so i'm ready to talk let's get this going i got some caffeine running through me um ready to talk about greek mythology um i know that there are a lot of stories um but one that I like quite a bit that I think would be kind of cool to talk about what is the story of Achilles and um, I don't know the story very well so I'm going to tell an awful version and then you guys are going to correct me so the story that I know is that a guy is going to be protected so he's dipped in a fountain of protection juice and they're holding him by his ankle, and the bit of his ankle that they're holding him by can't be doused in juices. Why the fuck are you laughing? Protection juice? I don't know what it's called. I don't know the technical term for invisib- invincibility liquids. But the part that he's... The part that he's being held by is his ankle, and his ankle is therefore protected, not protected, because it's as they're he's dipped in, and they just kind of forgot about it, and they're like, oh, well, the chances of that being hit are pretty low, and then it is, and he dies. So that's the story. Yeah, I, I, I don't know anything about that story, but the whole, it's like that thing about the arrow to the knee, like, we think, arrow to the knee, is, is that really a thing? But I guess it really was a thing back then. You know, if your knee got fucked up, you were kind of screwed. Same with your Achilles tendon. I actually haven't heard the arrow to the knee one. So that was kind of, sorry about that. And Achilles, um, I do know a little bit of. And actually, I believe River of Styx was what he was dipped into for protection. This, this is... This is like the river called, you know, river named Styx, like S-T-Y-X. Yes, that's... Okay, not like Styx, like... Right, that, yeah, S-T-Y-X. And that's where you cross to go to the underworld. And um, he was dipped in because they give him kind of like the sense of immortality because Achilles was human. So, and as Meter said, that's correct. His mother held him by the tendon, ankle area and dipped him in 
and brought him out. And he was just this awesome war god, but was mortal for the, in that area. Mortally wounded. So he went off to war and got, like, general status and, and was this really praised guy. And um, I know he got shot in the um, Achilles tendon, and that's what did end his demise. I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't remember a whole lot of the story, but I do believe it's the River Styx. Um, did he, didn't he fall at the Battle of Troy? That huge battle yeah. that, like, all of the gods were taking either side on, and then, like, there were goddesses involved, and, like, that was crazy. And then I think he died during that battle, and it was, like, the battle. Yeah, I was just about to say, battle. I think he died in, not not the Odyssey, but the Iliad. Yes. And, and th- yep. that was a big part of what happened, or the kind of results of uh, the Odyssey, or, you know, this, the Iliad leads up to the Odyssey. And it's a big kind of part of it. Odyssey, Odysseus, Odyssey? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if the if his mother dipped him by his ankle tendon, why did she not just after he dried like turn him and hold him by like the ears and then drop him in and get the rest of his body? Like why'd she have to be a little ignorant? That is Did she like not want to get the the protection juice on her? That's an excellent topic of discussion actually. Um why is it, is didn't like she? A, is it like a, a veneer or something or like a paint? And like if she had touched it, she would have like smudged it or like um, like left her fingerprints in it or something. And she just didn't want to leave her fingerprints in her son's face. Well, it was rumored that the river Styx actually draws souls in. Being a mortal, if you're dipped in or exposed to the river Styx, you're, you're kind of starting the process of death, really, essentially. So I, and this is personal, I believe that had she actually done that, there is no mortality left. He's then, it would all just be taken away by the River Six because that's the process of, of death and damnation. So the only soul he had left was in his heel. That's, that's powerful. Man, I didn't know that my soul was in my heel. I mean, maybe the other explanation would be if by fully dipping him in, maybe he would have been sucked into the underworld. Cause, right. So that's the only way she could have, like, had him come back. Uh, right, right. That's uh, that's actually where I was going with that. Uh, or maybe she was just an ignorant bitch. She loved her son. A mother will do anything for her son that she loves. Okay, so, I mean, it, it seems like we're all pretty much in agreement that she was just an ignorant bitch, but... Do we remember any of the other stories from the Battle of Troy? Because I, I know that that was like such a huge focal point of Greek mythology in general. I don't understand that battle at all. It's it's very, very complex, and I don't. There's such a strong human base, and when I studied, I wanted to look at the gods and not people, unfortunately. So I don't have a whole lot of knowledge. Wasn't there someone that kind of like betrayed someone in the story? I know that Helen of Troy is Zeus's daughter, and she was a queen of Troy, but I don't think it was during this time. We should have read the Iliad before we came on and actually known what we were talking about. But the Iliad, have you seen that book? It's like this big. It's a Bible. He yeah, just it, held up uh, about two feet. 
that's actually pretty accurate. It was about two feet. And we were supposed to read that book for, what was it, uh, college? And, that, you know, no one else, no one read the book, I don't think. Cause no the book one ever this, read the book. The book was just that big, you know. You always just spark notes it, and spark notes was probably more helpful than... Even when it was like, read the Torah, like, <laughs> read the first three books of the Bible. And we were like, yeah, we'll just spark notes the Bible, it's fine. Yeah, the only book I read was uh, The Lucifer Effect by Philip Zimbardo. I can't say it. And that was like the summit... That was the summer project, right? So we we're all supposed to read the book during summer, and get into class. And teacher's like, "So who actually read the book?" I'm the only one that raises my hand. <laughs> Teacher says, "Okay, we're not going to worry about this book. Let's just skip it." Oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, in that Greek book I was reading on you know Greek mythology, there were some interesting points about it with the various Greek scholars who at the time were you know tell the stories. So he was saying that initially the pe- people who were telling the stories, you know, really believed in the stories, and stories were pretty good, you know. And later on, people became more and more agnostic, more and more atheistic, and the stories didn't get worse, but it's kind of like, you know, telling your kid about Santa Claus or telling your kid about, you know, this kind of thing happening or an Easter Bunny. It's it's just like a fairy tale. You don't actually think Pegasus kind of, you know, leaves the stables every morning and does X, Y, and Z. No, there was a story where with, um, while we're talking about horses, when Hercules had to clean the stables, it was like a ridiculous, like huge stable. So to do it, he just rerouted a river. Right. With his strength to clean it all out and flush it out because it, it was designed, those labors were designed to, Make it so that Hercules would never finish them. Right. That was Hera's main objective. Make impossible tasks. Exactly. Suffer. Here, child, suffer. That's that's what she wanted. And he just kind of outsmarted her on everyone. Mm. That, that's actually pretty similar to the uh, the devil mythology. Or So the devil will kind of give you like an ultimatum, you know, this, this choice is just choice. And, you know, it's like the crossroad, right? And then... You know, the person or the hero would always end up kind of outsmarting the devil. And this kind of sounds like that's where it's come from to, uh, to some degree. That just made me think of um, Orpheus or um, when he went down to get his love from Hades. Hades said, okay, you can take her soul. You can take her back with you. Just one thing. Don't look back at her. And don't look back at this way when you get to the edge of the gates and you're about to go up to the realm. So Thantos, Hades' son, god of death, you know, kind of guided them back towards the earthly realm. And Orpheus turned around and poof, Thantos took her back and said, that's that. Yeah, that's kind of like, uh, what is it, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah? Yes. Where they're fleeing the city, which is, you know, burning in flames, and then uh, the wife looks back and she turns into a pillar of salt. Yes. And then, uh, and, and then the husband whose wife turned to salt fucked his daughters. Yeah, Just well, to keep us on topic. Well, no, no. Th- that's not quite accurate, though. He, no, that's how we're telling the story. He got so drunk, and his daughters were like, you know, he he's, he can't do anything. Let's just fuck him. It, it was his daughters that kind of took advantage of him for whatever reason. Wow. You know, if your daughter's hot, she's hot. True, true. So, B, or Brienne, do you have a favorite kind of myth within Greek mythology or Roman mythology? I... I, I like a lot of Hades stuff. I like a lot of Poseidon stuff, which we have, have we talked about Poseidon? Not really. You brought him up as saying he was like 
Zeus's brother or something you took to sea. Yeah, God of the Sea. So, middle child, um, and his gift to humans was horses. How that ties in with water, other than seahorses. Fantastic. <laughs> and horses can always find water. Did you know that? Horses can always find water. I imagine most any animal can find water oh. when they're thirsty. I didn't mean just thirsty, but they'll always go to water. Just any time. Any time. Like, they're like, hey, let's go to the watering hole. Just so, talk. Anytime. A anytime. horse wants to find water. It doesn't have to be okay. thirsty. It just knows. It can just bring you. Well, they're. <laughs> that is fantastic. How do you know that? <laughs> like, how do we know that a horse can find water even There's, when it's not thirsty? Like, it just knows. Have Have you heard about the connection with human and horses? If someone is actually um, out Drowning. in like the Sahara and they're dying of thirst or wherever they are traveling and there's not a lot of water, a horse, if they have that connection with their their human rider, they bring them to a body of water. Are you sure that's not a camel? No, camel. I don't camels know. Camels are horses, right? Camels can are camels not horses. Camels are humped horses. I, I don't even know if horses can do this, to be honest. I mean, I, again, I just was. I, this I mean, is what I've heard. What if you put them in a box with no water? Oh. Will, they st- will they still find water? Fantastic. Schrodinger's horse. <laughs> Schrodinger's horse. Yeah. So you wouldn't know if they had found water. Until you look in the box. <laughs> Just look in it. The second you open the cover to that box, the horse is going to fly towards some water. <laughs> That's Instantly. That, this is on topic right now. This is great. This is primo. So did Hercules drown all of those horses that were in the stables when he flooded them with the river? No. Stables were used when the other gods were coming to visit that didn't resign on Mount Olympus. Um, they go to visit and they take their horses out. They would be left in there. It was like house. the visitor's stable? Well, they had their horses there too. Um, but I don't think he flooded the other horses out. Did he use a horse to find the river? Ooh. Ooh. He did. Drawing now, Pegasus. he had Pegasus, right? Hercules did. Hercules had Pegasus. Pegasus. Yeah. Now, what's Pegasus' story? That's a winged horse. That's... He um, flies into the clouds to find the rain clouds. See, Pegasus, I, mythological beast, not so good on with me. I, I, I learned of his story at some point, and it's very kind of strange. I know he has a cyclical kind of thing where he... Is that some you know, stable that's actually in a real place every day. And then he kind of goes off and does something epic, then comes back and, you know, it's at the stable. And then it's one of those weird kind of cyclical things. He goes off and does all of Greece's taxes. And then he comes back to the stable and he's like, I'm just a horse. You want some water? And that's why Greece is in so much trouble now because they don't have Pegasus anymore to do their taxes. So they all just don't pay him. <laughs> I the one thing that I knew that I do know about Pegasus is he was brilliant to look at. So a lot of people could not lay eyes on him. Brilliant like shining like a light yeah. or brilliant like glittery brilliant. Like pretty. Beautiful. Majestic. Pretty. Too pretty to look at sounds like just another way to say ugly. Be like don't don't look, don't look. Don't it's look. too pretty. <laughs> don't look. Well, it's like 
you know, have you ever seen like a super super hot girl and you want to look at them but you know the moment you look at them you know they know that you are looking at them so you don't want to look at them like a cat no no like a cat the moment you look at a cat the cat's like i know you're looking at me and i'm gonna pretend i don't know that you're looking at me no. uh, okay maybe maybe so something I find pretty interesting about Hercules is that he's kind of used to explain the death of monsters in the world because problem with like all these mythologies, this is like a common thing with many mythologies. So they create these monsters that aren't actually in the world. And you know, they have to explain why these things aren't there. And so they often have this hero who will go through the world and vanquish all these beasts. And if I could remember these other kind of religions, I could, you know, give you some names. But it's, it's kind of a common thing, which is kind of interesting. Like, you have these demons, and you have to actually solve this somehow to make some kind of parody with the real world. So, like, Hercules killed Gor- the Gorgon and the Cyclops and Cerberus and... Medusa. I don't think he killed Cerberus. Well, so. Medusa was a Gorgon. Yeah. Oh, he's a... Oh, okay. She's a... She was... Her and her sisters were actually human turned into Gorgons. Um, or snake-like people. So what were the Gorgons exactly? The Gorgons were actually um, humans that were um, turned into these monsters because Medusa, and I want to say it's Athena. Sounds right to me. I've heard this somewhere. Yes, Athena turned them out of a fit of jealousy, actually, rumored. That's one myth. Out of a fit of jealousy these were these beautiful girls and so she turned them ugly so no man would want to touch them um and athena was one of those virgins that no no man will touch her why wouldn't they touch her she didn't want she had no interest in reproduction or or anything of that sort she just was like asexual just nope want nothing to do with it right right what what gosh was she again Athena actually was of knowledge. Of knowledge. Of knowledge. They <sighs> erected Athens out of Athena. And all these colleges came about in honor of Athena. Now, this is a bit of a loose connection here, but uh, I believe it was in the symposium where uh, Socrates was kind of giving his theory about how wisdom comes from this female lady. I think what her name is. Uh, but some some female kind of lady, right? And she's kind of the mother of wisdom, and maybe in a way this kind of term "mother of wisdom" or this kind of idea that uh, you know wisdom is kind of feminine and comes from this whole Athenian this Athenian myth. That sounds like a good parallel at at the very least, because um, she she was very all knowing and kind of like an intuition. Mm-hmm. Like maybe is am I going with that right? Yeah. So it's not like she has the facts right in her head, you know, like, this is the square root of blah, blah, blah. It's just kind of like, no, that doesn't quite seem right. So maybe it's this and that, you know, or, or you know, it's, it's more intuitive. Yes. Yeah. That's... Which is just intuition. Another phrase, another way. But... And it's funny because her sign is the owl who we kind of assimilated knowledge or this quiet mystic knowledge with. And apparently owls are also seen as intelligent other places as well, like in different cultures, which are connected to kind of Greece or other places, which is weird. That's crazy. Like the Hundred Acre Woods. Go on. That's Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> so my head was not tall enough for that to hit. 
it, wow. went, when it, it went, went over. I've never seen Winnie the Pooh. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Steve, you have any particular myths that you are, you know, very big fan of? Um, yeah, I like um, when Hercules fights the Cyclops, and um, the Cyclops like gets him. I'm gonna butcher this story, so you can all just laugh at me, but. Um, I'm pretty good at telling stories really badly. So Hercules has to go to this island, and he goes to this island or he's shipwrecked or some shit, and there's a Cyclops on that island, and then the Cyclops, like, gets him trapped in a cave and with a whole bunch of sheep and stuff, and then um, there there's a bunch of Cyclopses on that island and, and all that. So the Cyclops goes to, like, pick up and eat uh Hercules and Hercules stabs his eye out um and Hercules tells the Cyclops that his name is no one so when he stabs the, the thing's eyes out the guy he's running around with his eye stabbed out while Hercules is escaping and he says help help no one's attacking me <laughs> and that's the one that I like because it's ridiculous that's beautiful now just a minor correction there that was Odysseus yeah, oh, that was, well, I, that's, okay, yeah. But, yeah. I, Odysseus, Hercules, whatever. <laughs> but but I, I love genius. that, I love that story, too, because it's, like, pretty funny punchline, to be honest. It's really dumb, but so dumb, it's funny. Odysseus was genius, because the whole, uh, the Odyssey in general was just him telling a lavish story in a sing-song type way, and he was the, that was, like, a really popular thing to do at that time was to, to be a good storyteller. And if you were a good storyteller, you would get all of the riches in the world. You would have everything handed to you. You'd be in the king's good graces. So this whole story is all coming from him doing it like as a song. And it's it's what gave him like all this notoriety and fame and stuff. And it's just him like making up a story about this crazy stuff that happened. And while he's doing, he's also making jokes. Like that's the perfect entertainer telling an epic tale with drama and love and hate and death and comedy all wrapped together. And that's what makes it mm. so amazing. That's a really good point. I think that's how some of these myths, there's like more than one myth because bards would go out and sing these tales. And as they get going, maybe they forgot some or they ran into another bard, heard another kind of portion of it. Oh, I thought it was this. And they kind of lost along the way. And there's so many different facets to all these different tales. So Now, was Odysseus also the one whose father sent him away because the fortune teller told him that he would be killed by his son? So he killed his son, but his, the wife switched him out with a rock so or he ate him so he just ate a rock and then she sent the baby away and then the baby came back to free the lands from a tyrant king and it ended up being his father that sounds like moses or legend of sargon this this legend oh my god it's everywhere there's this archetype you know like sending a baby away and it going to some foreign land and coming back and you know taking claim to the land that that's the lion king <laughs> but but in but in this one it's like a fortune teller tells the father your yeah. son's gonna kill you but i just thought it was funny that he like she replaces him with a rock so he eats a rock and thinks it's a baby like, i don't think that was odysseus no i forget who that was but uh, it's a pretty good story i mean it is rock. yeah you're right yeah rocks. i'm right eating rocks i thought i ate a person once but you know it's a rock it's a rock yeah 
It's it's really actually rare that you think that you're eating a rock and it's a person. It's more along the lines of you think you're eating a person and it's a rock. Yeah. Now, one of my favorite parts of Odysseus's journeys was the whole part with the sirens, I believe they're called. Uh, for those who aren't aware, he is traveling through the sea with his crew, and there's these things called sirens. Did this right, B? Right? Yes. Yeah, right. And these sirens have a very, very beautiful voice. Like, they sing, and they sing so nice that they people will kind of jump overboard to be with them and, of course, drown. The, I think they're eaten or whatever by these sirens. And Odysseus, you know, he wants to hear these sirens because he is that much of a person. He wants to hear them. So... They're like, no, you can't do that. You're going you're gonna to jump in there. And he's a demigod, so he's pretty powerful, but he's like, I, I still want to hear them. Take these ropes and tie me up to the mast of the ship. And so they tie him up to the mast of the ship, and he hears them, and he wants to jump in the water. And he doesn't, and he manages to kind of scrape by. And what I find to be incredible about, incredible about this story is that although he is a you know, super powerful demigod, he has all his influence, all this kind of uh, courage, he still knows his limits. He knows, still knows to tie himself up because he is still going to be tempted to jump in there, which is a very... I've actually used this a lot as a metaphor for various kind of like uh, psychological things. Like, like sometimes you have to know your limits. Even if you're pretty good at what you do or pretty good at limiting yourself, you need to know where your limits are and kind of restrain yourself from that. That's a, definitely a good one. And are sirens pretty much mermaids? Kind of. With powers? It's it's different in different kind of uh, folklore. Oftentimes, they are beautiful mermaids that will kind of turn into these kind of nasty things when they get to you. So they'll entice kind of guys and it's like, oh, yeah, I want to fuck that thing. And then once they get close, it turns into this kind of crazy-looking monster, and then it's get eaten. Well, yeah. I think I've seen a siren at the club before. Like, from a distance, you're like, man, I, I really like what's going on there. And then... <laughs> it's a 10 that turns into a 2? Yeah, something like that. Okay. It's like a 10, and then you add the two digits together, and you're like, oh. Uh, it's a 1. And, and then you get eaten. Yes. No. No. You're like, she looks pretty hot, and then it turns out it's two people. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, and actually, one of my favorite tales has to do with Dionysus, the god of drinking and sex oh the wine god the drunk human yes. drunk drunk Dionys yep dionysus yep. he um zeus was his father and the um again with hera his mother was a mortal so he's a demigod oh so sorry i was just trying to follow the family tree here i'm, oh. I'm mapping it oh. out in like <laughs> wait, space wait. yep no so there's zeus the father and then there's a um mortal i can't remember her name anyways zeus has sex with her out comes Dionysus. Now, Dionysus actually didn't come out of the mother. Hera found out about this love connection, and Hera's this jealous woman that she is, convinces um, this, this woman to ask Zeus to reveal his godly self to her. And so she goes to Zeus and asks Zeus, Zeus knowing this is going to kill her because she's human, they can't see their full god form. So he shows himself, kills the mother. But to save the child, he cut open his inner thigh and put Dionysus, the unborn fetus, in to carry full term. And um, he had to carry this without letting Hera know, hey, my child's alive still, you stupid. 
It didn't work. So he has a leg womb. He has a leg womb. He has a leg womb. <laughs> and there he goes carrying this child to full term. And Hera finds out about it. So he had to give this child to Hermes, messenger of the gods. And so Hera finds out this, this child's alive and she's hunting him down. She's trying to find him. And Hermes actually hides him in his sheep. He turns Dionysus into a, a sheep. Wait, he hides him in the sheep? He turns Dionysus into a sheep. Oh, hides him as a sheep. As okay. a sheep. Thank okay. you. Yes. And um, that's where we get Puck, the uh, half goat, half human. But there, there is no half human, half goat. It's Dionysus as a child turned into a goat to hide him from Hera. And actually, Dionysus actually becomes full term into a god, and he hides himself on Earth away from the rest of the gods. Who the fuck is Puck? <laughs> the only one that I know that's like a goat man is Pan. Pan, sorry. Oh, okay. Did I say Puck? Puck's another yeah, term. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, there's not, a couple of names. No, 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 but isn't that another a different... Another name for Pan is Puck, like Puck my is... frying Puck. I, I, th and... I think Puck is something, but hold on, hold on a second. So there are no, like, half-man, half-goat things? Um, that's not a real thing? No, that's, but that's where there was an argument against uh, that a bunch of um, scholars. When we were doing the lectures and we were having conversations about it, that was actually a big discussion and an argument because a lot of people didn't believe that they existed. So this was kind of a story, or at least this part of the story was a way of saying, this is stupid, this doesn't fucking exist. Right, exactly. It was just a big discussion, and I actually don't know which end is true or not. That's where the myth kind of splits hairs, and it, it goes into two different mm, directions. So, I mean, it reminds me of a lot of stories in like various other mythical th tales where... You have one group which will try to say one thing, and another group which will try to say another thing, right. and you get two different versions, and sometimes these versions will actually combine in a weird way, because people don't quite know the arguments that went before it. They'll say, oh, this one has this aspect to it, oh, this this aspect, and they'll just mash them together. Right, yeah. There, there are a couple of questions I have about this story that maybe you'll be able to fill me in on. One of them is, so Zeus chooses to have sex with this human woman. What kind of bird was he? Um, <laughs> bird of prey. No. <laughs> no. He's a predator? He's a <laughs> well, kind of. If you look so at it, then you say, like, Hera's, oh, that jealous woman that she is. Well, to be fair, Zeus cheats on her every chance he gets. Absolutely. Like, beyond every chance he gets. Like, even when there's not a chance, he rapes women to cheat on her. Like, it's... You know, and that's another discussion that all the male gods were like that. So if any woman in all of history and mythos ever had a reason to be jealous, it Hera was Hera. Hera reason. But some of the stuff she enacted on others as revenge might have taken it a little bit too far out. Well, yeah, she's a woman. Way. She's going to misappropriate her anger towards everybody. Oh, okay. That's how you take a beautiful podcast and you bring it to a screeching halt bring it to its knees no so um so what kind of bird was zeus that was funny when i said that <laughs> <laughs> no bird no bull no um he didn't 
actually disguise himself as an animal. One of the rare times. So, so a human can't see a god in its true form, or it will die. So, what was he when he fucked her? Takes another form of a human being. There's. So he was just another person. The queen's <laughs> king went off onto a journey, and so he took the form of. And actually, that's the story of Hercules. Um, took the form of the king, had sex, impregnated her with Hercules. The king comes back, has sex with his wife, and she doesn't know because. She thinks it was the king the whole time. And she actually bore two sons, one of the king, which was a weaker person, if you will. And then she gave birth to Hercules. So, so the way I imagine this story is that there's this random woman who has a husband. And then she's like, she has sex with this other guy one night when she's drunk. And then she goes back to him and she's like, well, oh, I'm pretty sure it was Zeus. I mean, he said he was Zeus. So like... <laughs> That's that's kind of like Zeus, and he's like, "What kind of bird was he?" She's like, "No, he was just like a dude," and he's like, "I'm Zeus," and I'm like, "Well, I can't fucking deny Zeus." Remember that whole parallel back to the Virgin Mary thing? Mm-hmm. I, I, I. That's where I would draw that from. Is maybe she had relations with someone she shouldn't out right. of marriage, and and then he got mad and killed her, and that was her seeing Zeus's real form is anger. Ooh. Man, I just got deep. Yes. That's the most smart thing I ever said. Now, I'm going to be a dick real quick. Yes. And just to clarify, the whole Virgin Mary thing, that is kind of after the fact. So that's a mistranslation. And it's kind of a purposeful mistranslation, you could say, because initially it was just, you know, Joseph was the father and it was kind of God divine. And that's usually kind of how it was, you know, in these myths. But then either mistranslated it or they purposely misinterpreted it to be virgin, which you could see, you know, based off the language, maybe being understandable. But they're kind of seeing virginity as being a great thing or a pristine thing. And the fact that Mary wasn't a virgin kind of made her seem lesser. So they started creating this narrative around her that she was a virgin Mary. She hadn't had sex, so that means she was more pristine. And there's actually a lot of different groups that would actually kind of worship Mary herself because they saw her as a kind of major religious figure and her being a non-virgin kind like of Like the Catholics. Flat. The Catholics pray to the Virgin Mary. Right, right. Um, but uh, I, I, I see it less as like they wanted her to seem more pristine and more like it's a much bigger miracle. If God, the like God's child, doesn't come from a man and a woman having sex, and like the man happens to to give the seed of God, but rather that it's a miracle, like something that's impossible, is what happened, and that's kind of the mythos of Jesus altogether. Is all these things that he does are these uh, these miracles that aren't possible? Yeah, yeah, that's that's also point part of it as well. I mean, you have a lot of people saying half God, half man, which kind of sounds a lot better than, you know, fully human, but divine by God. Mm. Yep. That's a, that's the definition of a demigod is half man, half human. Right. Are there any female demigods? Oh, you had to ask. Yeah, I it well, thought it was a pretty good question. No, it's an, it's an excellent question. I don't. Okay. Yes. Helena Troy. Helena Troy was a uh, female demigod. Uh, birthed of? Uh, Zeus, the father. Mother? I don't remember the mother. I'm, I'm not It was probably sure. a goose. Mother goose. 
Is, is there is there a reason why Zeus had so much sex with random people? He's horny. Because there was a lot of um, what's it called when you're um, unfaithful? <laughs> uh, that's, that's a very broad question. Uh, there's one word. It's like in something. There were a lot of people who were unfaithful <laughs> to their partners, and they needed excuses. They need an explanation as to... So one of the biggest things I, I hear about the Greek gods that people really like is that they're not like the Christian god or the Jewish god or et cetera, et cetera, where they have flaws. Uh, so the... Meaning, okay. So the Greek gods do have flaws and they have jealousy and they feel emotions and they do things that are fucked up. And a lot of people really like that because it humanizes gods and let, gives you the opportunity to say, okay, well, we live in this super fucked up world and I can see how that makes sense because the gods are just as fucked up as we are, if not more. Hmm. Yeah, the, that, that's a good point. And it's kind of uh, maybe accentuating or over-dramatizing like, these aspects of human you know, life because I mean, people probably wouldn't be as you know, fucked up as Zeus and turning <laughs> turning into swans. And if fucking... I could turn into a swan and rape a girl, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> I would do a lot of things as a swan, but raping a woman is not one of them. I, I honestly might turn into a bull, but, I, you know. There's also one where he turned into a bear. Um, I don't think I would change into anything to have sex with anything. No. Really? Really, I don't know. Just not my a pie. Uh, ooh, pie? No. You could turn cake? into a piece of cake to have sex with a piece of cake. <gasps> It'd be a piece of cake. I might turn no. into a blow up doll. <laughs> a, a male blow up doll, because um. that's kind of useless. <laughs> Or a female blow-up doll, because then you're having a man have sex with you. <laughs> Which is cool if that's... like I'm, gonna, I'm not saying there's anything against that. I'm going to leave this to be ambiguous here. Ooh. Viewers, you decide. Right? <laughs> now it's choose your own adventure. If you want Nate to be a male blow-up doll, tweet at us, male blow-up doll. If you want him to be a female blow-up doll, tweet at us, female blow-up doll. You know, you gotta imagine they have those ones that are male, but they have, like, the you know, giant dildo coming off it. I could be that, you know. But Although, I could be one that has a hole in it. What kind of a... <laughs> what kind of a... Of a blow... Of a... Why does a woman need the whole male body? She just... She just wants the dick. Or well, the tongue. They well, have one with tongues. So... So, Not that so I is, is it like a <laughs> like a sprinkler and it just like <laughs> flips back and forth? Yeah. Well, there you go. But now we know all about blow up dolls with flippy tongues. Well, it's like why do guys need the whole female body? Can't they just use a whole? Well, because they... the female body is erotic. The male body is not erotic. Mm. Mm. I I don't agree. Well, that's because you're a woman. Fair, but I don't. Flawless I think logic. I, I, well, no, they're both very erotic, just in different ways. If you look, what's beautiful? What is so sensual and powerful and erotic about a female to you? The what, what draws you? Females, even other females, 
will say that like the female body is alluring in itself. The whole body? Yes, the the female bo- body and figure as a whole. Figure. Okay. I agree the shape is more flattering. Male shapes tend not to be. But have you ever heard or looked at a female go, ooh, to a male's arm? Because they're really drawn to arms. And that, that vein, because guys have that vein that just goes up and they can just make it pop out right into their arms. Do you have a forearm fetish? No, I'm just saying that a lot of girls like arms. Now, to connect this back to Greek mythology... An aspect of Greek art, I think, is pretty interesting. And might not get this, you know, fully accurate with all of history with Greek, but at least in a lot of the artworks, you'll notice that the penis is very, very small. And it seems kind of strange. You know, they very de-emphasize the genitals, especially. So the Statue of David, for instance, is the very famous one where he doesn't even have a cock almost. And the reason why they did this is because they saw kind of the the genitals to be a kind of a... Uh, a scourge or a kind of an imperfection. So they had these you know, awesome looking kind of, uh, people and then they had these kind of weird things sticking off their, uh, their, their, their torso. It's kind of like, what the fuck is that? And this kind of comes from Platonism in a way because, you know, Plato had this idea of perfect, perfect forms and perfect images and kind of, they wanted to be higher, like seeing themselves as, you know, kind of gods themselves in a way, or maybe not that high, but so they would, minimize the most human aspect of themselves, which was the genitals, and also kind of the dirtiest aspect of themselves. And um, if you look at the sculptures of Aphrodite's, again, supposed to be the most beautiful, the most, the perfect image, she has, she has a feminine figure, but she has fat rolls and, and, and flaw looking what we would see today in our culture anyway flaws like cellulite and flat fat rolls. is that the one of her laying in the clam no i didn't even think of that one is that aphrodite that is her yeah so she's like laying in a clam y- yes because she's of the sea um she's like a little pearl <laughs> yep that's fantastic no she it's the one of her sitting down there's one of her sitting down and she's kind of I don't want to say hunched over, but her her breasts aren't as visible. Her arms kind of covering them, but you can look at her side, and she's got the love handles that that bit that females don't like about themselves, and that kind of like side boob kind of thing going on. Well, in today's society, they don't. But right. if you look at like even comic books back um, thirty, forty years ago, not even that long for a lot of them, you'll see that there are ads in there for like bulk up for women, like. Are you too skinny? You, you feel self-conscious at the beach? You buy this formula and you can get fat. Because it was gross for women to be skinny back then. And, right. and it's changed to kind of morphed to be now the super skinny is really hot, which I don't necessarily agree with. But it, as a society, it's kind of morphed the image of women into something unrealistic versus beauty back then being something really realistic in a sense. I mean, some women just, that's not how they're built, and it is what it is. A big aspect of that is just supply and demand. So back in the day, you know, access to nutrition and resources was very scarce. So being fat or being larger kind of showed you were a a wealthy person or a person of status. Uh, Kind of similar to back in Britain when they first got sugar, having really black, disgusting teeth was a sign of status because it showed that you had access to lots of sugar. 
So it's one of those things. And now that we have plenty of food, food's not really a problem. Everyone has access to it. Disagree. Go on. Okay, everyone in the U.S., for the most part, has access to it. It's not, you know, majority. Mm -hmm. They, you know, having a larger weight is not seen as a sign of status. Rather, kind of working out and all that kind of stuff and looking fit is more of a sign of status because it shows, you know, you put an effort to into your body to look good. So it's kind of flipped in that way. But if you go to other countries, uh, there's one country in Africa where the big thing is having these uh, very, very... Ooh, how do you put it? Unhealthily large wives. And they will actually take them out to this place for like a month in some kind of tent and they'll hire these people to force feed them. So they get way, 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 way large. And it's it's very kind of strange. So, so it's different cultures, different kind of climates. Well, and back then, if you look during the Greek mythos time, they there was less populated areas. So... The drive, a big drive was population, reproduction, and being on um, the healthy side or large side meant you were healthier and that you were successful in bearing children, specifically sons, um, and that you were going to not only make it through, but they were going to be healthy as well. Right. That's a, that's a great point. Yeah. It's definitely an indicator of success as far as... Uh your life goes yeah and here now in this day and age and we're debating all these myths and kind of the lessons between them now we don't need to repopulate as much in fact we should i would assume slow down and so maybe that's why our views are one reason why our views are kind of doing a 180 here maybe I definitely possible i know um my grandmother attributes people who are heavier in weight as being happier because when you're happy you're you eat more you eat full meals things like that but if you're depressed you're less likely to eat um it, and that's you know that's not necessarily a, a scientific fact that's her perception and i would assume that's a lot to do with her generation so if mm. she sees me let's say as her grandson being heavier then she'll think she'll say okay you you're happy because you're heavier right that's an interesting point so maybe in the climate she was brought up in she was you know when she felt really good and felt really happy she would reward herself with a like nice little you know treat nice little meal whereas uh say in this generation i'm not saying this is proven or anything but let's say uh, someone who's depressed is more likely to eat to make them feel better because they have to get that dopamine hit well, so that could have changed you know in that way that and if you were bigger, um, she likes it because if you get sick, you have something to live off of. Because if you're sick, you might not be taking in any food or anything like that. You may be vomiting a lot, blah, blah, blah. So if you get really, really sick and you were skinny back then, you would basically die. So being being bigger was actually a healthy weight. because, Like literally, it means you're healthy right now. Because if you were sick, then you would get skinny. Mm, yeah, yes. it's interesting. Uh, I know that there's data on this with uh, the weights, how the weights changed. And it changed pretty quickly once the uh, once the Industrial Revolution and uh, particularly in the early 1900s, uh, where we started getting like really nice food crops in. That's when the weight started increasing quite a bit. And people used to be very, very skinny, unhealthily skinny back then. And I think they definitely went up more to a healthy weight. Uh, also, just to be, you know, 
blunt here. Healthy weight is a very, very large kind of a measure, which is dependent upon the person. Some people, they can be very, very skinny, but at a healthy weight. Some people can be, they can look large, or they can be large, and they can be a unhealthy weight, or unhealthy weight. Uh, it's up for your individual doctor to kind of talk with you and decide about that. So many factors involved. Also, it's not even that body fat's kind of the thing. It's uh, the blood markers that are correlated to those kind of things. So if you have good blood markers, you know, it doesn't really matter what your weight, body weight is or your body fat is. Why does your blood need markers? Is it like trying to color pictures or? So this, this is how it works. So when your body is trying to fill in the color book, it needs various shades. So it has crayons for certain parts, but then it also has colored pencils for other parts. And then it uses whiteout every once in a while, just sort of like white blood cells, but I was going to call them whiteout. Now, the markers, they come in for the final picture. Now, you may ask, how can they go over the, the crayon, right? Isn't that, doesn't make sense? Well, they fill right. in the gaps between the crayon, you know, crayon leaves little marks in between. That's what the markers are for. I imagine they would do a lot of the um, the outline, the contouring, and the, the, the accent shadings and things like that as well. Well, in... In concept or theory, yes, but in actuality, it's more just kind of just general kind of final production, you know. You, you, would, you would think that, but it, it's like there's one way to make bacon, then it's actually how bacon's made. Uh, B, you had something to add there? That was just a really good analogy I'm stuck on. Now I really want some bacon. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. I think that we should probably go get some bacon. Yeah, yeah, dude, let's go. Okay. Um, so uh, I'm definitely glad we had this conversation. You know, Greek mythology is so deep. Um, and, you know, none of us are experts on it. Um, some of us more than others. Uh, but the, overall, I think that we, we really got somewhere as far as, you know, discussing um, themes, discussing particular stories, and a lot, a lot of incest and rape. And that's really the core of what makes a great discussion. Especially the incest. Absolutely. Did you love the episode? If so, give us a rating on iTunes. It helps us be seen by everyone else. Also, if you want to get at us, we're at WNTT1 on Twitter. You know, you can give us criticism, what you liked, what you didn't like, what's funny, and also just tell us how wrong you were. Until next time. Talk.